for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Parenting Great Kids. I can't believe it, but this is episode number 156, and I am your host, as always, Dr. Meg Meeker. You know, we have a great show today. My guest is Ashley Lemieux. She's a young woman who is kind and delightful and lovely, who has endured a lot of pain when it comes to parenting over her young years. She's going to talk about that pain today. If so, if you're a mother in particular who has experienced loss in your relationship with your kids or even loss of a child, this is your podcast. You really need to listen to it. Ashley is incredibly upbeat and hopeful. If you like any of the podcasts, I've got a bunch of online courses that I've written and you can check them out at meekerparenting.com. So here we go. Ashley Lemieux has made a career out of helping others reignite the light within them. She's the founder and CEO of The Shine Project, and she's a firm believer that everyone was born to shine. Ashley's a writer, speaker, and entrepreneur who lives in Arizona with her husband, Mike. Her company, The Shine Project, is an online community for women so they can find support and resources, motivation, and encouragement to triumph over challenges in their lives. And boy, is her online community popular. You have to check it out. Ashley has some great books. The latest is I Am Here, The Journey from Fear to Freedom. And she's also the author of the best-selling Born to Shine. All right, let's get to my interview with Ashley Lemieux. Ashley, thanks so much for joining me on my podcast today. Meg, thanks so much for having me. I've just heard the greatest things about you, and I learned the greatest things from you. So I'm just so excited to be here and talking to you. Oh, well, it's nice. I've learned a lot about you and I probably know more about you than you want me to know, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to talk to you about your book, I Am Here. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, this isn't your first book, but it is the one we're going to be talking about today. I Am Here, The Journey from Fear to Freedom. I'll just get right to it. Ashley, you've experienced a lot of pain in your life. Um is that what sort of got you into writing or did something else get you into writing? You know, this is a good question because believe it or not, growing up, I was the shyest human you've ever met in your life. And so I would, as an elementary school girl, I wouldn't talk at school all day because I was too shy and quiet. And so I would run home and I would grab my journal from under my bed and I would write all my deepest thoughts and feelings. And then I would throw it back under my bed. But that cultivated this love of writing for me. And that's carried with me throughout my entire life. That's awesome. So you were writing long before you experienced a lot of what you experienced in the past 10 years or so. Yeah. And I think that my love of writing is, is what has really helped me keep moving forward and process and heal and give a voice to the pain that I'm feeling so it doesn't just have to live inside of me anymore. 
Um, so writing really has been a huge tool for me, especially over these past five, six years or so. Yeah. I think that the work you do is extremely necessary uh, because a lot of women are in a lot of pain. Maybe their life experiences are different from yours, but it doesn't matter. Pain is pain is pain. And we all feel it um, because of different things and we all feel it in different ways. Would you feel comfortable uh, experiencing some of the pain that you felt in your life? If you don't want to, you don't need to. Yeah, of course. So like you just said, Meg, something that I love is that even though our our situations are so different from each other, the feelings that we share are the same. And so a lot of my pain um, has come from losing children. And my husband and I were permanent guardians um, and we raised those kids for over four years. And we had every reason to believe that we would be a family forever and always. And we ended up losing them during a very unexpected contested adoption. How, excuse me, how old were they when you got them and what sex were they? Yeah. So it was a brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And when they came to live with us, they were four and six. And when they left, they were eight and 10. And you said it was a permanent adoption. It was a permanent guardianship permanent guardianship. Okay. Correct. Okay. How was your time with the kids? Did you get very attached and bonded to them? Oh, we were a family in every sense of the word. Everything that we did was, it was our family unit. We went from a family of two, my husband and I, to a family of four, literally overnight and um, losing them especially in the way that we lost them. We, we lost them as quickly as they came again overnight. Um, and we have not seen them since uh, was the most horrific thing that we've ever experienced in our lives. And learning how to grieve and mourn our two children who are still actually out there living in the world uh, has, has felt really impossible at times. And so we've really had to figure out what does lo life look like? What does healing look like? How do we move forward? And as we started trying to move forward in our lives, um, a couple of years, a few years after we lost the children, it had been about um, three and a half years after we decided that it was time to finally start trying to grow our family again. And this time we would try biologically and we got pregnant. And last year, uh, right when COVID hit, I was 16 weeks pregnant and I went septic out of nowhere. I was really healthy. I went septic, um, was sent to the emergency room. We were told that that day that my husband was no longer able to be with me because it was the day that COVID put all the restrictions in. So you couldn't have a visitor. So they wheeled me away. The baby was fine at first, um, but then we ended up losing him. And I delivered him alone in the um, emergency room. And again, I found myself back at this place of how do I move forward from this? How do I heal? How, like, what do I want in my life? Because the things, the people that I love more than anything have been taken away from me and there's nothing I can do to to get them back. And so my journey with healing has really been about how do I rebuild a life that still brings me joy and peace and fulfillment when it does not look how 
I ever expected that it would. Mm -hmm. When you experienced the loss of your first two kids and then the loss of the baby, did you feel betrayed? Yes, I felt totally betrayed. And the betrayal felt different, though. The first time, I really experienced the trauma of a judicial betrayal, of a, of a betrayal of systems that we think are going to protect us, and then they don't. And children. And yeah, and they don't. exactly. And they don't. Yeah, they don't. So that betrayal trauma from that was a lot. Um, and then when we lost Jace, our, our baby boy, uh, I felt the betrayal from my body. Mm -hmm. So the betrayal was there in both circumstances, but kind of the underlining why I felt them were two totally different um, things. Mm -hmm. But again, betrayal's betrayal. <laughs> yeah. Know? And it feels the same. And, you know, but you know now, of course, your body didn't betray you. Yeah, I know that now. And it's still something I work through. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine the grief, but the two types of grief, and they were always around children. Can I just quickly ask, we're going to move on, what prompted the um, state to take the kids back? Was it back to their biologic parents? Did the biologic parents say, whoops, we want our kids now? We didn't really mean that? Yeah, it was a very unexpected contested adoption. And I think to understand the complexity of the case, we were in court for almost two years. And so to understand that, then we also have to look at and understand the complexity of the foster care system in this country. And there's not a lot of laws that protect the children. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. You can be with one judge and get a totally different outcome than you would if you were with another judge, which in the randomness at which people are able to impact the lives of others forever. Um, it's a lot, but, but that's why it, it's because we had an unexpected contested adoption and there's not enough laws that protect the safety of children in the foster care system. Oh, amen. And if you can ever, or anybody out there can help us figure out what we can do and how we can quote, begin to to fix that system, please let us know and write. So you have written this amazing book, I Am Here, The Journey from Fear to Freedom. And on the cover, it's so cool. After just having heard your story, you're, you're standing there with your arms up to the sky, um, looking as though you're rejoicing. You've divided the book up into three parts. And I'll have to tell you, when I read the first part, I was like, oh, I don't like that because you were really pushing buttons. The, the, first, <laughs> the first part of it's good. I mean, that the first part of the book, uh, the first section is reframe your thoughts. The second is reimagine your future with a clarity map. And then the third is reclaim your power. So the second and third I could do, but the reframing your thoughts is hard. And you write a couple of things. One is, what if, one chapters, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? And I thought, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. And I think that's what kind of, I was like, I, I don't like that. I don't know why I didn't like it, but I 
didn't like it. So talk to me about what do you mean? What if it's not fear? What if it's love? I love this. And I think that a lot of us, I I think that most of us feel really uncomfortable with fear. And, and so then it makes sense to me that as you're reading it, feeling that, that uncomfortable feeling that fear brings for me, learning how to reframe my thoughts so that I don't get stuck in those places like fear has been the most important thing for me on my healing journey because it opens up this pathway for me to move forward. When we lost our older two kids, I spent most of my waking hours, I guess, and sleeping hours too, um, in fear. And it was fear that I was never, that I'm never going to see my kids again. It was fear that I failed as their mother. It was fear that they don't know if I love them. It, It was all these stories of fear that I just kept cycling over in my head. And one day I was driving home from a therapy session, actually, and I saw a little girl who looked like my little girl, and I had to pull over on the side of the road because I just I just broke down. I just missed, I miss her. I missed her so much that I didn't know how to keep breathing and moving through that. And this fear over overtook me, and and I just had this little thought. And it was, what if it's not just fear? What if there's something else that's fueling these emotions? Because anytime that I felt the fear, I would just get stuck in it. And it would become this whole body experience that... It's overwhelming. It hits every cell in your body. Mm -hmm. And it paralyzes you. You can't do anything when you're living from this state of fear all the time. And so I sat there and I just asked myself, I said, is there something that's deeper than this? Can there be something that is deeper than this fear that I'm feeling? And as I just sat and really talked to myself, asking myself questions, what I realized was that a profound sense of love was really driving my feelings. My love for my children is why I miss them so badly. It's why I want them to be okay and happy and and feel joy in their lives. It's why I want to spend my time with them. and, And I miss those times that we had um, together. And, and from that moment, I, I, I thought to myself, okay, well, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? What if deeper than the fear is this positive emotion that I can anchor to instead of anchoring to fear? Because when I anchor to fear, it, it sucks me of all my power, all my energy, all of my thoughts. But if I can anchor myself to love, then that's a power source then it feeds me, it allows me to keep moving forward. And the feelings that are generated between fear and love are two completely different things. And I just learned that what was at the base of everything, that the love that most of us, I think, in our lives, Mm -hmm. of the things that we're afraid of, we're afraid of losing the people and things that we love. But at the end of the day, love lasts forever. And so no matter what happens, we can't actually lose the thing that we're all afraid of losing. And making that connection for me kind of allowed myself to to start unchaining myself from fear to figuring out, okay, how can I start making steps forward now? Mm. As I hear you talking about making that switch from fear to love, My first reaction is, yeah, but it's love that's accompanied by tremendous amount of sadness and grief. Did that ever get in your way of anchoring yourself in love? Of course, because so for me, 
I, for a long time, thought that I could outrun the grief and sadness, or I, I wanted to believe that I could, because I, I wanted to run faster than it. I wanted to take on more work. I wanted to travel. We moved across the country after selling everything that we owned. I just thought if I can just move faster than this grief, then maybe I can mask it for a little bit. Um, but what I learned is that you can't outrun it and instead you have to learn how to sit with it and, and then figure out steps moving forward. And so for me, as I look on my life and as this love is tied to a tremendous amount of grief, a question that I was asked that I always go back to is knowing what you know now, would you still have chosen mm -hmm. to be your children's mother? And every single time the answer is yes, a thousand percent. I would do it a thousand times again to be able to have experienced their love, to be able to give my love to them, to experience our family together. And so anytime the grief starts overtaking, I go back to the thought of I would choose to do this over and over again because of the love that was a result of the four of us. Mm. One of the other things that you talk about is what if we don't need to let it go? What if we need to embrace it? And I've heard people say to me during times of difficulty, walk into the discomfort, walk into the pain, to which I say, I don't think so. <laughs> and I think that's why, because really what you're doing is saying walking into the good feelings and the bad feelings, motherhood and loss, and then okay, I can do this. I can sit there and I can embrace life the way it is. So that's a moving forward. Can you talk to us about that? What I believe about pain is that it was never supposed to destroy us. And I think a lot of times we try to almost dissociate ourselves from the pain so that we can move forward or we try to forget our past so that we can have a brighter future. But the things that have happened are a part of us. It's, it's how we're becoming who we are. And I think we do a disservice to ourselves if we keep trying to outrun the hard things in our lives. And so as I kept thinking about how can I embrace this? instead of just dropping it to just let it go, how can I embrace it? Not in a way that keeps me buried, but in a way that teaches me, in a way that allows me to view other people in the world more compassionately, um, differently. And, and so from there, I started invite, inviting that thought into my healing process because our past can serve our present, which can then serve our future. I, I truly believe that. And I think for me, at least, the times that I've experienced the most pain have been the hardest times in my life. And now they are also at the same time, I believe in the word and joy and sadness, that, that grief and hope. The hardest times in my life have also become my greatest privilege because of how it's changed the way that I view the world and the people around me and their lessons that I could not ever have learned otherwise. I wish that I didn't learn them in this way, but now that I have, I think it does a disservice to, to everyone if I try to just forget it all 
that doesn't serve anybody. And so I really try to work out in my mind, what can I take with me to embrace this that can serve me right now? You know, what you're talking about is wholly un-American. And, and by that, I mean, we are taught that our job as adults is to pursue happiness. It's just to, whatever we need to do that day to get happy, that's what we should do. That's exactly the opposite of what you're talking about here is saying, okay, I'm going to walk into it. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to allow myself to be changed. Really what is happening in you, it's not just mystical. It's like supernatural. You know, it's, it's like a spiritual experience, if you will, because this is not natural. You know, what you, what you've experienced, it's right. It's truth. It works. I'm not doubting anything like that, but from the outside looking in, it's really miraculous, Ashley. I think that from what I've experienced, there, there have been times where the pain has become so physically unbearable that I literally did not know how to keep existing in this world with the burden of the pain that I was constantly living in. And so I had to figure out a way in which I can exist and still find joy and peace. I don't chase happiness anymore because when I used to, happiness looked like things that would satisfy me for a moment until the pain took it away. Happiness is fleeting, which is why so many people are actually unhappy because they're filling themselves with things that don't last. And so for me, I think what will bring me peace? Because when I can find peace in my life, then it allows me to keep walking forward. And then it brings those feelings like joy and those feelings like hope. And so even though there's nothing in my circumstance that has changed, I still have not seen my children. We still, our baby boy is still gone. There's no nothing in my life that has changed, but the feelings inside of me have. And that's something, that's the only thing that we have the power of taking control over. And I think that we need to take control over it. Otherwise our lives are going to always be a result of the things that are happening around us. And I don't think that that's the way that it was supposed to be. You know, it's wonderful that you know that now because it's really going to change your future. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Ashley. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of this conversation. Well, welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guest today is Ashley Lemieux. Let's talk about, we talk about reframing our thinking. And I can see that if we hold on to our thinking, we're stuck. And I will tell you, there are a lot of women out there who are stuck. They can't get past what they're experiencing. But you talk about reimagining our future and you talk about it with a clarity map. So how do we go from reframing our thinking and making that deep emotional switch to feeling peace and embracing where we are and envisioning a future, how then do we move forward and reimagine our future? I know that most people are going to want this answer that just flips a switch and, and changes it for us. Mm -hmm. 
but it's a practice. It's a Mm -hmm. daily practice where we have to practice the reframing of our thoughts, of how we think about ourselves, of how we think about our life circumstances so that we can continue to move forward. But what I have found, the best part of hitting rock bottom is that there's only a way back up. And on your way back up, you get to choose what you invite back into your life. And as I think about rebuilding my life, that's what I think of. I think of me literally reaching out and grabbing the things that I want to choose to come back in. Because mm-hmm. once life changes for you, there's certain things that you're that no longer serve you, that you don't have to carry with you anymore. So mm-hmm. what I started doing is I started having a meditation practice every morning and it turned into a series of five questions that I ask myself. And as I was able to ask myself those questions, then I was able to find more, more guidance throughout my day, more purpose throughout my day. I'll tell you, going from being an active mom to, to elementary school kids aged who were you know busy and we had after school stuff and all those things. Going from that to being in a childless, quiet, sad house made me feel like I was the least purposeful human on planet Earth. I did not know why I was alive anymore. And you didn't lose just one child. You lost two. You lost overnight. Two. Overnight. Overnight. No warning. So you're climbing back out. And how did you reframe your future? Because clearly you got yourself sort of moving out of the pain and moving beyond it. But then how do you construct your future? If you will, you said during meditation, you asked yourself five questions. Is that what helped you reframe? Yes. So I started asking myself five questions. And the first question that I started asking myself was, what is my intention today? Because when you're in your survival mode, you're not thinking a year from now. You're thinking of how do I get out of bed and and survive today? So at first, that was my question. And so holding on to that started giving me a new purpose in my life. It started giving me something to look forward to, to feel accomplished from doing and as, as my list of questions grew and I started really creating a tangible plan for my day, I looked at them and I said, hey, I think that these can actually help me rebuild my entire life now, which is that whole section and I am here. So I turned it into this process that I started called clarity mapping. And clarity mapping really allowed me to get really crystal clear on what it was I wanted from my life. And I think that that's the part where we get stuck is that we don't even know what we want. We know what we don't want because we've been living in it for so long that we know we don't want it anymore, Mm -hmm. but we don't know what it is that we actually want. And so then we have no idea how to get there because there's no destination. So figuring out my destination and then breaking it down into really tangible bite-sized actionable items that I could do every day to start the rebuilding, it brought this sense of profound healing and hope for my life that I hadn't felt for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So I imagine those steps that you took were pretty small at the beginning, because as you said, you don't just get up and say, okay, I'm in terrible grief. I'm going to go back to law school. 
You, right. you don't do that. You're in survival mode. So you said that I, I want to know what my intentions for today are. What can I do today? And then coming up sort of with this clarity map. How did the clarity map emerge? Because in your clarity map in the book, it's very specific. Yeah, it's very specific. So that was one of the first ones that I created, which actually has led to the release of this book, which is kind of cool to look back during that time in my life when I was just really trying to figure things out that this map helped enough that now a few years later, the very book that I put down on my clarity map is out and we're talking about it right now. And so it emerged because in the beginning, my intention really was to one day, I remember it being today, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to shower and I'm going to get dressed and ready for the day. Like that was the thing that I focused on. Mm -hmm. And then it started evolving to the point of, I know that there's a lot of women out there who are like me and I want to help empower them. I want, I want women I want to help women reclaim the power in their lives. Okay, what does this look like? And part of that looked like me writing and sharing my feelings because I knew that even though women, we all have such different circumstances, like we were talking about before, we share those same core feelings. And so if I could put words to those feelings that a lot of people felt really stuck in, I knew we could connect that way. And so that's where I really started. And and as that grew and as women were messaging me and as we really grew our community online of women just supporting each other, um, I saw the path on my clarity mapping exercise that I had done. I, I saw it progressing and I knew that I was finding my way again. Mm -hmm. And I imagine because you talk about serving and how important it is to sort of give to others. And this is a huge way of doing that, you know, obviously. But I imagine if somebody would have told you two, three, four years before that, you would have said, no, I mean, th that's not where my life is going. I mean, and yet it here it is and it unfolds. Did hearing from the other women help you or do you feel you were there to just serve them? That's a really good question that I don't know if I've <laughs> thought about before. I, I think... I think it became this two-way street where I was able to help them and then seeing that what I was saying and that my experience was was helping other women heal, that became really healing for me because I think when we can I kind of hate the phrase give pain give purpose to your pain because pain pain just really stinks, you know, and sometimes the only purpose for it is just because life is hard and and that's part of the experience. But I do think that that seeing your pain um, not only transform you, but but help you help you to to help transform other people. There's something really healing about that. So, yeah, um, it has helped me a lot. You know, I would imagine seeing this whole process unfold in other women makes you realize it really did happen to you, and this is true, and it works. And when you're writing about something that's very true, it's like it reaffirms itself over and over and over. And, and really what a joy for you to watch more and more and more healing. 
And my hope is that it strengthens your healing too. So you have something online. You wrote a book, a bestseller called Born to Shine, and you started the Shine Project. Uh, How do you want women to shine? Is that about helping them regain their power, uh, get hope into their lives? What do you mean by the Shine Project? The Shine Project started as a community for women to really come and feel encouraged and to get resources to help them in their day-to-day lives. Because what I know to be true is that even in our darkest moments, that we can still shine. And so how do we do that? What does that look like? How do we show up for ourselves and the world, even when it is really hard? And and that's my hope for women, that no matter what is going on in their life, that they know that they have the power to shine through it. And that's why I started the Shine Project. I started the Shine Project actually before any of this, in any of our losses happened, which in hindsight, um, I don't know, feels like it was just as much for me as it was, as it is for everyone else, but it has become a really supportive and beautiful online community. Mm -hmm. I could imagine because in the painful times I've gone through in my life, which is very different from, from what you've experienced. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine, I'm sure you hate it when people say that I can't imagine the pain you went through, but just knowing there were one or two people who got it and who were there and they were present gave me the sense that I could keep living. Yes. And it it almost sounds like your project gives that to women. I'm here. I'm still alive. You're going to be alive. And not only are you going to be alive, but you're going to be okay. And I think that when you're in deep and dark pain, you don't believe that. You don't believe you're going to be okay. You don't even know if you're going to survive. Exactly. And and I think that what I have learned about pain is that not only was it never meant to destroy us, but it can really invite us in to learn more about who we are and what we're capable of. And in that learning, there's a lot of power there and there's a lot of confidence that can come into our lives. And I I think that we're not just supposed to survive, that there can still be so much love and light and hope and joy and all of those good things that all of us want. Pain doesn't have to take it away, but it's up to us to be able to go right into the center of it so that those feelings are invited because we can't feel good without feeling the bad. And so when we try to shut out the bad, we shut out the the good too, and we just become numb. And I just refuse to live my life numb. It's too beautiful to miss out on. And that's extraordinary to come from somebody who's been through what you've been through. And I just want all of our listeners who are listening and, and primarily a lot of moms to really let what you're saying sink in because what it means is moving forward, you don't have to be afraid. Because when you had fear and you learned how to overcome fear and sort of pull out of it, you know, you faced it and you survived it. And so now you know, you know, I, I know what that is like going through and I got through. So if it happens again, I, I can do this. And I would think that would be a wonderful feeling. 
what do you want for your future? What do you think your future holds? I mean, I, you know, crystal ball, but what are your thoughts about your future? You know, um, Dr. Meeker, right now we're actually in the middle of fertility treatments. And so our hope for the nearest future is to be able to have a baby and, and a healthy pregnancy. And, but if not, my hope is that no matter what happens, that we keep showing up and trying again, and that we keep being able to connect with other people who we need, but also who need our experience and support while they go through hard things. And I, I hope that no matter what, it's it's full of love and joy and healing. And, you know, I, I can say this, I, I haven't always been able to say this, but I can say right now that I am really excited for our future and to see what, what life brings us. You should be, because just from listening to you over this past half hour, it feels like you have a tremendous amount of peace, no matter what happens. And so you can walk forward into the future knowing it's okay, whatever happens, it's okay. I mean, your future is going to be so good and so wonderful and so bright because your past has allowed you to have a tremendous amount of comfort and peace and strength in, in knowing that you can handle anything. And so I think, you know, hopefully everybody will, will hear that in your voice. You know, Ashley, you're an extraordinary person you really are extraordinary. I don't say that lightly because I've, I've interviewed hundreds of people and your story is um, amazing. But what's really more amazing is how you handled all of this. And I really hope that our listeners can get that because you are speaking truth and it absolutely does work. How can people find out more about you, more about the work that you're doing and more about your books? Well, thank you so much, Dr. Meeker, for giving me this voice today to talk with you and, and to everyone listening. I would love to connect with all of you. Uh, you can find me online at theshineproject.com or on Instagram. I love our Instagram community. Um, it's at Ashley K. Lemieux. And you can find my books, I Am Here and Born to Shine, wherever books are sold. Mm, awesome. The Shine Project. The journey from fear to freedom, I am here, every woman has to read. It really isn't just about losing children. It's about getting through life and getting through the times in life where you're holding on by your fingernails. Ashley, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your vulnerability and your willingness to open up and, and share with everybody. It's really hard. A lot of people can't do it, but I so appreciate that you did it for us. It's my privilege. Thank you so much. Wow. What a touching and powerful conversation that was with Ashley. You can see why one of her books is called Born to Shine, because that's exactly what she helps women do. So here are the points to ponder today, taken directly from her book, I Am Here. One, reach inward. You know, when we're in pain, it's important that we look inside of ourselves and be bold enough to acknowledge what's there. Our feelings seem convoluted. And the bizarre thing is that intense sadness can exist alongside 
peace and sometimes joy. One of the most important parts of grief is to be able to look inside and see what's there. As Ashley's told us, we can't run from the pain, even though everything inside us wants to. Two, reach outward. As hard as it may be for some of us who are introverts, who have a hard time leaning on others or asking for help, grief is a time when we must reach out. Friends and family know we hurt and most want to help, but they have no clue how to do so. Asking a loved one to simply sit with you or listen to you makes grieving tolerable. Aloneness can make pain unbearable. Three, reach up. Although we may feel angry or confused, God is still there. We don't want him because we feel he's betrayed us, and that's okay. God can handle our disappointment in him or our anger towards him. I encourage you to reach upward and ask God for help anyway, regardless of how you're feeling. He's always there, whether you want him to be or not, and he will always love you and help you towards healing. It may look completely different from what you expected, but it's there. I want to thank my guest, Ashley Lemieux, for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Ashley, go to theshineproject.com. That's theshineproject, all one word, dot com. Now let's recap my three points to ponder. One, reach inward. Two, reach outward. And three, reach up. And remember, friends, check out my website, meekerparenting.com, and sign up for my private community if you feel you need a community. And remember, until next time, that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Mike, producer of Dr. Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. At the end of our podcast, do you wonder, okay, how do I apply this to my life? to my kids. Dr. Meg keeps these discussions going in our brand new Parenting Great Kids community. She gives you answers to issues and clear steps to take to resolve them. Imagine having the ability to ask Dr. Meeker a question about your issues with your kids. Well, now you can. We've created a new Parenting Great Kids community where Dr. Meg answers readers' questions, posts videos on topics, adds a new parenting course monthly, and goes live with you once a month. Don't wrestle with your problems alone. Let Dr. Meg help you. Join us in the new PGK community. For more information, go to meekerparenting.com and look for the PGK community tabs. Hey, 